Hey there, folks, and welcome back to Eddie and Caleb's HeroCast. My name, of course, is Caleb Baldwin. You can follow me on Twitter at IamCalebB. Follow, oh, by, by the way, that is I am Caleb, and then another B, of course. Follow my friend, co-host, and producer, Eddie Cornelison, on Twitter at eddyc 5 Follow the show at EC underscore Hero. Our Instagram account is ECHeroCast, and our Gmail is ECHeroCast at gmail.com. We thank you all for listening. As always, check me out every Thursday morning on the Grave Consequences podcast, which, of course, is a part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Eddie, the recording date is roughly 7.20 Central Standard Time p.m. on Monday, January 31st, two days removed from the Royal Rumble at the Dome at America Center. I was there in the stadium, and by the way, I have been to like five stadium shows now, and the Dome might be the worst one. <laughs> really? Why is that? It just seems, it just feels kind of, you know, kind of quaint, you know, kind of small, kind of like, you know, milk toast. Like, even, <laughs> I'll, I'll name off the stadiums I've been to for wrestling. I went to Jerry World. Of course, that's going to be Aces. That's going to be number one. Number two, Superdome. Okay. Minute Maid is number three. I went to the Alamo Dome for the Royal Rumble a few years back. That was fine, but there was a beam where we were sitting. And um, the Dome at America Center. And you saw my uh, – you saw my – oh, man, I may not have sent it to you. I uh, took a picture of my view. I could see the stage and the ring just fine. My view was fine. But that, that stadium is just kind of kind of quaint, man. It's no wonder the Rams moved back to L.A. Moved back and went to a Super Bowl and may, maybe won it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they may have won the Super Bowl. By the way, Eddie, of course, this is going to release on February 23rd. So a Super Bowl champion will have been crowned 10 days before this will uh, will drop. Yeah, who's your pick? Uh, my pick, I'm going Rams, dude. I think their front four is going to be too much for the uh, banged-up offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals. As far as rooting interest, I'm kind of torn. Like, the Niners losing the way they did sucks, but I'm happy for Matt Stafford. But I've also got a couple of friends who are lifelong Bengals fans, and I'm really happy for them. And I'd be really happy for them if they won the Super Bowl. So I guess you could say I'm not really rooting for anyone in this, but I'm not going to be upset either way. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are Bengals fans, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, to hell with them, I'm rooting for the Rams. <laughs> uh, you know, I had to hear it. When uh, they they beat my Titans, and it's mm-hmm. like, now you expect me to be happy for you? No, it does not work that way. Nope. And also, Cincinnati and Columbus don't like each other. This whole, all these bandwagon Bengals fans, I do not understand this. They don't, they never cared at all about the Blue Jackets. They hated the crew until they got their own crappy soccer team, and they still hate <laughs> us. And worst of all, they hate Ohio State. So now because they finally made a Super Bowl... No, 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 no. I am not going to change my opinion on it. It's a nice city. People are nice. But uh, I hope the Rams beat your ass. And I hope, as of listening to this, you, if you're in Cincinnati, have lost. Because I do not like it when people whose success, (laughs) uh, based off of me and my team, uh, I don't like to see that. I know some people do. They're like, oh, it makes our loss better if we lose to the champions. Okay, I need to interject there. That's complete bullshit. That that has never been true before, ever. You losing to a champion doesn't do anything. You still lost. You didn't win the championship. Exactly. 
I am not, uh, yeah, it doesn't make me feel better that we would lose to a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. Um, in fact, if the Rams win, it would make me feel really good because it's like, wow, we kind of beat their ass in L.A. on prime time. So that would actually make me feel uh, pretty good. But yeah. uh, no, I don't want your success uh, at the expense of my team. Uh, yeah. No, that, that's, that's no. not how that works. No. I, don't, I, have, uh, I, I don't have, have to appreciate how great Joe Burrow is. He didn't so, even go to Ohio State. First he off. He left like a coward. First off. Joe Shiesty is doing the Lord's work in Cincinnati, man. Second, uh, that being said, I get it. You know, the not liking, you know, a, a team getting their success at your expense. I have held a grudge against the Chiefs for two years now. And that grudge will not subside until we either beat the Chiefs and, well, win a Super Bowl, period. If we beat the Chiefs, that'd be an added bonus. But, you know, if we win a Super Bowl, okay, I can let it slide. Yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in full-on mock draft mode, and any mock draft I see that doesn't have the Titans thing a quarterback, I dismiss it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. That's, yeah. that's what I'm excited for now. Get the Super so, Bowl over with and bring on the draft. Yeah, yeah. I'm just – I'm excited for, well, hopefully baseball season starting soon. But, but um, that being said, I'm excited to see Trey Lance as QB1. But enough about football. We're not here to talk about football. We are here to talk about a little Canadian film. Yes, Canadian, starring yeah. Woody Harrelson, Kat Dennings, and Elias Coteus, directed by Peter Stebbings. This was released on February 19, 2010, the first movie of the tens, Defendor. Yes, Defendor, not Defender. Is this Eddie. a, uh, real quick, you know how yes. our movies always coincide with things in real life? Okay. Is this an example of that? Because Canada's big in the news with the semi-truck drivers and Justin Trudeau getting COVID. I I don't watch the news, bro, apparently, because I did not hear any of that. So, But I guess. I suppose, yes. Uh, apparently there's like a bunch of truck drivers driving to Ottawa. I'm sure they're there by now. Uh, yeah. But they're protesting the vaccine yeah. mandates, and then Justin Trudeau got COVID. <laughs> I think that just came out today. Yeah. But I don't know. It's It's been a while since we've had something coincide with real life, so I'm, I'm grasping at straws. Hey, that's fine, man. That's fine. Hey, uh, real quick, before we get to our history with the movie, which is none. Um, yeah, I didn't even know it existed until this list, so there you go. Put it on the list, yeah. Uh, that being said, um, do you think the baseball lockout will be ended by, by the time this comes out? Uh, we're talking about 23 days, man. Maybe. I don't know. I think we're going to get a late start. I think we're only going to be playing like 140 games or something like that. Mm. Maybe not that few, but you know, it's just my, my theory is this. (laughs) If there's a way for MLB to screw something up, they will figure that way out. Yes. And like not getting the season started on time would be right up their alley. Like they are chomping at the bit to like, like how can we screw this up and delay this? Just like the COVID season when it's like they had the longest time of any sports league to figure it out. Yeah. And they still took like an extra two months. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're so incompetent. And uh, yeah. So they'll figure out a way to screw this up and miss some games. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. This lockout started a month 
after the World Series ended. So, yeah, the fact that it's still going on two months later is ridiculous. But here we are. No history with this movie. What were you doing in February of 2010? Well, listen, if if you're a, if you're a younger listener, maybe in high school or just starting college, or maybe you're in college, and there's only one thing you take away from this podcast, make it this. In January of 2010, right? Yes. January of 2010, I did, uh, well, you know, wait a minute. What This came out, what, February? Yes, February 19, 2010. Oh, I jumped the gun. Okay, forget no, what no. I just said. Forget what I just said. I'm gonna okay. save. I'm gonna save that for maybe next week. <laughs> yeah. So okay, we'll put that on hold. Okay, I got my months mixed up. So, uh, but January of 2010, I spent New Year's Eve in Los Angeles. I was. Um, we went and saw the Rose Bowl, and it was Ohio State defeating Oregon back when they used to do that a lot. And uh, let's see, got to LA like. Two nights before the game, so I got to see Kobe drop like 45 on the Golden State Warriors before they turned out to be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that may have been Steph Curry's rookie season, maybe. Uh, so that was cool. And, of course, the Rose Bowl was great. Uh, spent New Year's Eve in Hollywood. Did not even sleep that night. I uh, got very intoxicated, took a cab back to the hotel, and made a very big mistake because on the way back to the hotel, I was starting to get hungry. I saw a subway, and I was like, I can walk that. That's not that far. It was. It was. <laughs> I was uh, very mistaken on that. So I walked probably a good mile to get to the <laughs> subway and uh, walked all the way back. And um, and then I, I ate the subway, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll get ready for bed, get maybe three four hours of sleep. And it was like, nope, it's time to get up, take the bus down to uh, Pasadena for the Rose Bowl parade and all this crap. Oh, and I'm like, dude. oh my gosh, I am not ready for this. <laughs> so, yeah, did that, then went to the Rose Bowl, and then uh, uh, that was a, that was another crazy trip where, like, on the way home, I had, like, a 45-minute layover in Houston, which turned into a three-hour layover in Houston, which turned into, oh, sorry, we bumped you for the next morning. And uh, you'll be landing in Cincinnati instead of Columbus. But here's $750. I'm like, um, okay, that was all very random. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But I uh, took the $750 and went out and got drunk again in Houston. So that was cool. And uh, actually had, this is a true story. The airport shuttle, you had to take an airport shuttle to the taxi cabs. And the guy in the airport shuttle, I told him this story, and he's like, oh, man, you got to go to the strip clubs in Houston. They're great. I'm like, ah, maybe, and I'm probably just going to go grab a drink and get into a taxi cab. And uh, taxi driver's name is Ben. I'll tell you why I remember that. So Ben tells me the exact same thing. <laughs> he's like, you got to go to these strip clubs, man. It's great. I was like, oh, maybe there's something to this. I didn't, but I thought about it because two random people just told me this. And, uh, yeah, so Ben took me to a bar, and uh, after he gave me his number, told me to call him, and he'll come pick me up, take me back to the airport, which he did. And randomly, 
two years later, I swear to God, two, maybe even three years later, I'm taking a nap on the couch. My phone starts ringing. I look at the caller ID, and it just says, Ben the cabbie, parentheses, Houston. I'm like, how is this even possible? <laughs> I didn't answer it, but I was like, I don't even understand how that's possible right now. But there you go. That was what I was doing this time. Big big time oh, trip. Yeah, big time watching those Buckeyes beat the freaking Ducks. That's that's great stuff, bro. February of 2010, man, I, dude, again, 15 going on 16, didn't have a driver's license. What am I going to do? Go to high school. That's about it. Well, that's fun. I'm sorry I can't, uh, you know, you know I'm younger than you, so I can't really, like, you know, enthrall you with these stories, you know, of of experiences in Pasadena and et cetera. But either way, enough of that. Let's talk about the champions in wrestling at the time. So in the WWE, and this was a very eclectic bunch here. So in the WWE, the WWE champion on Raw for the first time, Sheamus. Uh, that rain, if you remember, that rain actually started when John Cena fell through a table. I do remember that rain. Watch that favorite B-dubs. Yes. Okay. The ECW champion, which by this time, February 19th, it had technically like just been retired three days prior, but it's the last ECW champion, Ezekiel Jackson. Because if I think extreme, I'm thinking Ezekiel Jackson. I'm thinking Big Rick from Lucha Underground. Um, Ooh, that brand really fell off. It's technically, technically the shortest reign uh, in the ECW title history because it only technically lasted like three minutes, but whatever. Um, mm, three minute warning. <laughs> yes, the world heavyweight champion on SmackDown for just a couple more days is the Undertaker in his last world title run, at least last so far. Hmm. You never know these days, man. Um, <laughs> okay. After that, in TNA, your TNA World Heavyweight Champion, AJ Styles. You know, can't help but go back Finally. Yes. Well, he had... Oh, yeah, he did have another run earlier. He had held the 10 pounds of gold before, but, yeah, I think that was his first run with the TNA title. That's Uh, right. And in Ring of Honor, and maybe this is a guy you've heard of, maybe you haven't, but the ROH World Champion at the time, Tyler Black. Mmm. Tyler freaking Black. Tyler freaking Black. He never went on to do anything. Um, <laughs> what did the crowd think of Tyler freaking Black uh, tapping out, or not tapping out, or whatever the hell that finish the was? Uh, I could tell by the section. The section seemed disappointed, because I was also disappointed. But we also, like, everyone around me kind of popped or laughed when he came out in the shield gear and everything. Because I was just howling. I'm like, that was oh my good. god, this is amazing. That, uh, yeah, you probably were too far to see the referee put his hand on the rope. Oh, you know, I didn't even notice that, no. Yeah, he, yeah, it was, wasn't good. (laughs) If it makes you feel any better, I was not near the WrestleMania sign that melted twice. Well, that's good. You don't want (laughs) embers to fall on you. No, for sure, for sure. But with that, let's talk about the cat. Oh, Oh, okay, wait, 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 the, uh. Critical and financial reception of this film. Ah, I had to translate it, get out of that Canadian loony nonsense. Yeah. To real money. Yes. <laughs> money, real American money. Money that's not color, colorful. Yeah. Uh, budget 
in American, because that's what we are. Yes. $3.1 million. Yeah. The box office. <laughs> Maybe our lowest ever. Oh, no. Yeah. It's you said $3.1 million? For the budget. Yes. Box office. $44,500. Oh, my God. <laughs> Less than a lot of people's yearly salary. That's terrible. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. Yeah. And, Limited uh, release, right? Yeah. Well, they wanted to uh, release this, so they, they they screened it at the Toronto Film Festival, and then uh, Sony bought it, and they were going to distribute it in the United States and most of Asia and Europe and South America, um, but uh, they didn't, and um, I don't know why, but uh, someone else, Darius Films, whoever they are, uh, self-released the film in the United States theatrically on February 26, 2010, probably in very limited theaters. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That would now be that why. makes sense. That makes perfect sense. But Darius Films. Either way, that is terrible. Yeah, it's not the biggest money loser, but it, percentage-wise, it might be. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, it um, where is it on our list? Uh, where did my... There it is. On the list, though, it is only 73rd, negative 3.06 million, and then uh, inflation, negative 3.9 million. So a money loser, but not a big one. But, uh, I mean, when you made such little in profit, it, this was really just a, a passion project. Yes, for sure. A passion project for for Woody Harrelson, who went full autist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of, let's get to the cast. Elias Coteus. What did you think of Casey Jones coming back here? What was his character name? Oh, man. Casey Jones is back, and he was Detective Chuck Dooney. He was a detective? Mm-hmm. A corrupt wow. one. He was undercover, but like a, I think he was like a double agent, where the police thought he was undercover, but he's really just like working for the main mob boss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was. Uh, I got to be honest. Uh, to borrow a line from Seinfeld, you have lost a lot of hair. <laughs> now, maybe that's the prosthetic. I don't think so, though. It looked like his real yeah. head. Um, I would not have picked. That was B. Casey Jones, who had a great head of hair in the Ninja Turtles. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. 20-some years later, it all went away. But I thought he did pretty good in this movie. So, yeah. But I would not have recognized him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, also, Kat Dennings as a prostitute. What, what do we think of Kat Dennings, man? As Katarina. Yes, Katarina. Uh, she was great, honestly. And I read she did a lot of research for this. She was talking to, like, sex workers in Canada about uh, getting the part down. And, you know, I I bought into it. It was, uh, it was the, the prostitute, the drug-using prostitute with the heart of gold cliche. But 
I yeah, I thought she did really well in this. It's it's good that you know she'll be back. Well, we've already reviewed stuff that she's done with uh, yeah. WandaVision. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, she's gone on to do much bigger things than this. So that's good. But I thought she was really really great in this, and probably my favorite uh, person in the movie. I would say. I mean, low bar, but yes, I would agree. Either her or Michael Kelly as Paul Carter. Also, shout out Michael Kelly making his way back to the podcast, man. Yeah, it's been a while, but he'll Previ- he'll be he'll be back too. Previously on Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. And he'll be coming up uh, in Chronicle. Oh, interesting, interesting. Also, shout out Sandra O oh from Grey's Anatomy as Doctor Park. Yeah, they got. I gotta say, for such a low budget movie, they got a pretty big name cast. Yeah, probably a uh, few favors had to be cashed in. And the main event, Woody Harrelson is Arthur Poppington, and I'm going to be harsh. This was cringe, man. <laughs> um, Man, so I know what he was now, going there's for. A, there's a thing that Robert Downey says in Tropic Thunder. Yes. That you don't go full regal. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that—that's what Woody Harrelson did in this film. Yeah, man, it, like I get what he was going for, but I don't know. It just—it wasn't. I—I'm not as harsh as, as as you. I wouldn't say cringe, but it just missed it by a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like this is a role. I'll be honest. I mean, maybe not back then, but like right now. This would be the kind of role that would get like all these movie critics like, oh my gosh, this was so good. This is this could get some Oscar buzz. It's a movie that no one saw type of the deal. And if he'd have played it the right way, you know, and if this movie came out ten years later, maybe he could have gotten some kind of Oscar buzz. But he didn't really play it the right way, which reminds me, I did forget the Rotten Tomatoes critics seventy four percent, fans fifty eight percent. So wow. the critics were, like I said, they were on the, uh, you know, they they were kind of kind of feeling it. Uh, but like I said, if he'd played it the right way, this and and if this movie were made later, could have could have gotten some kind of Oscar buzz because the kind of role it demanded. Yeah. But because um, it's not really a superhero movie, it's really more of a, um, I won't say not coming of age, but. Um, I don't know, inspirational type movie, I guess. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, I got you. Like, a, you know. A I, I don't. Heart of I gold don't. type, whatever. Whatever. Sure. Anyway. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like you said, he maybe a little, maybe a little too special at times. I don't know. Yeah, just a bit there, over the top. Yeah. I mean, there were some funny lines, don't get me wrong, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, it maybe just tone it down, just take it back a few notches. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. And with that, I think we can get into the plot now. Yeah. So, we open in uh in Dr. Park's office. So, like the first half of the movie, maybe even more than half, is um Arthur telling Dr. Park about an incident and everything that led up to it. So, that's to give you an idea of what we're at. So she's a psychiatrist. She's talking to Arthur. We don't know why, but we get that it's a, there's an assault on a dry cleaning business. Don't know anything more than that. 
So we cut to the flashback where Arthur he is dressed up as Defendor, which is a pretty... It just wears all black and uses uh, scotch tape to... Not scotch tape. Um, duct tape. Duct tape as a big D on his chest. Yes. Um, and he carries like a baton, and then he has uh, little jars full of hornets that he throws at people. <laughs> yeah. And eye black. Gotta wear the eye black. Of course, yes. So, uh, yeah, he, he saves a prostitute from being roughed up by this uh, corrupt cop. That would be Chuck Dooney. And later that night, Defendor is arrested by the police at a donut shop. Because, of course. Uh, and the police captain, Captain Fairbanks, he lets him go because he doesn't really see him as much of a threat. He's just like this harmless guy pretending to be a superhero, whatever. Uh, but he does order his weapon be destroyed. Yes. Um, but yeah, they kind of bond over the fact that their dad served in World War Two, so but maybe World War II or Vietnam. Maybe it was Vietnam. Either uh, way. Anyway, a war. <laughs> so, uh, Defendor again finds uh, Officer Dooney, but his men beat him up. They're just, you know, he's look. Defendor has some clever things that he does, but he he's not much of a fighter. So no, no. But um. This time, Angel's there to help him. After uh, he was brutally beaten, they go back to his place, and she's kind of just using him to hide out because I guess she sort of pissed off the the wrong people. So she wants to hang out for a few days till the heat dies down. Yeah. And she just lights up a crack pipe, and Defendor does not approve of this. <laughs> yeah. So. And we'll find out why. We'll find out why. Mm-hmm. And... He says he's he's looking for someone named Captain Industry. Also, by the way, at some point in that whole scene, Cat Dennings kind of, kind of alludes to giving him a uh, beeger, and uh, Woody no-sells it, because, you know. Yeah, he's just doesn't pick up on social cues. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he tells, oh. uh, yeah, he says, I'm looking for Captain Industry. He's a guy that pushes drugs. And he's like, well, I don't know who Captain Industry is, but... It could be this guy named uh, Radovan Christic. He's a pretty big drug kingpin in, I don't know, like, I mean, they don't say what city, but it's filmed in Toronto, but they're in America, so whatever. Yeah. Um, so well, Angel... we'll say Baltimore. Okay. So Angel <laughs> shows uh, Defendor where to find Captain Industry, and Defendor, he finds Dooney again, he handcuffs him to a pipe, this was good. He tortures him with, like, lemon juice in the eye, asking where he is. And, of course, no one knows who Captain Industry is, because there's a name that Defendor... Well, I won't say it's a name he made up. He literally thinks that there's a criminal called Captain Industry. Which yes. We'll, which we'll get to. And, of course, no one no one knows who this is, because Captain of Industry is a common phrase. Uh, yes. So he he gets the information. He finds Captain Industry... He just kind of spies on him at first, and he only sees that he's fat. So, Yeah. And then uh, he's got this heart-to-heart talk with Angel about her smoking crack, and she tries to tell him, I'm not what you think, and, oh, I used to be a writer in high school, and I was pretty good at it, but I gave it up, and now I just, you know, smoke crack. And he uh, he wants her to be like Lois Lane, a reporter. Yes. So Defendor tries to spy on Radovan, who's having a meeting, but he's heard, and 
he runs off, and Radovan tells Dooney to have him killed. They're just like annoyed with him at this point. They're like they because they they realize he's just a a stupid person who's. <laughs> Um, their point of view, not mine. I'm not going to yes, insult yeah. people. But they think he's just a stupid person who's pretending to be a superhero. Because this movie is basically like, what if someone in real life tried to be a superhero? This is pretty close to what would happen. Yeah. Um, which will actually get a better version, still like storytelling of that in a few movies from now. But Very soon. Very yeah. soon. But in the meantime, this is pretty close too. So yeah. they're just like, what? What is this guy? He's he's a clown dressing up as a superhero. Like, just kill him. Like, this guy's annoying. Yeah. And so he's uh, like I said, he, he's told him to uh, kill him. And Defendor, he records everything. He's got like a body cam, and he records it onto VHS tapes, which is pretty funny. And uh, he takes the tapes to the police, but they tell him the footage is not usable. Which I kind of liked, because it's, you know, like, again, if this were real, that's probably what the police would say. They're like, we we can't accept this. Like, we don't know who you are, and, like, this footage, you know, you got the legal hurdles that this is going to cause. It's not clear footage. This is what their lawyer is going to say. So I enjoyed that part, that portion of it. Yeah. Um, he's like, okay, well, I'll just have to get better footage. <laughs> but meanwhile, Arthur's friend Paul... He enters the movie now, and he is worried about him, living in this workshop and hanging out with a hooker. And uh, after a fight with Angel over uh, her spending his money on drugs, Defender goes to spy again on Radovan, uh, Radovan and Dooney. But he's found out, and they just shoot him. So they've had enough. Actually, yeah. some some random guy shoots him. But uh, Paul and Angel find him because he had uh, he had Angel on like uh, speakerphone or something during the fight, so Angel kind of knew what was you know he was doing something dumb and got himself nearly killed. So Paul and Angel find him nearly dead in an alley. They take him to the hospital. Paul tells Angel to leave Arthur alone, and after surgery, Angel is uh, tells an unconscious Arthur, or so we think. That she is this way because her dad abused her, and he did all this stuff, and now I just turned to drugs. And by the way, he now runs a dry cleaning business. So Arthur, after surgery, gets up and goes to the mall and beats up this dry cleaning owner from the start of the movie. Yes. So Puts him in the trash. Yeah. And his justification is he wanted to be punished for all the things he's done. So he he kind of wanted this. So so back at the therapist's office, Dr. Park asks Arthur why it's so important he capture Captain Industry. And we get a flashback of his mom. She died from a drug overdose. And in court, um, actually even before that, um, was that his dad or uncle or someone? I thought it was his grandfather, I'll be honest Maybe. with you. Maybe, I don't know. But anyway, he tells them, like, uh, you know, these drug pushers, they're just captains of industry. And he's just like, oh, that must be a real person then. Uh, which is not. And I think, I don't remember if this was here. I put it somewhere in the notes. Um, I think it might be later, but I'll just mention it now. The reason Arthur's the way he is, is his mom, when she was pregnant, was a heavy alcoholic. So that's why he's a little slow. Anyway, we go to court. 
And so Paul, uh, it was a what, fetal alcohol syndrome. Yeah. So we go into court. Paul vouches for Arthur, tells the judge he thinks he's a superhero, and he's like, oh, you know, he wears a cape. And this was a good line where Arthur's like, uh, excuse me, I don't wear a cape. Capes are for people who can fly, and I cannot fly. <laughs> um, yeah. He's like, the judge sends Arthur to therapy, seeing that, you know, he's he's not all there. We need to evaluate him, see if he's a danger. And then Dr. Park finishes her evaluation. But she, she sort of kind of reveals, you know, Arthur's methods aren't so bad. I mean, this dry cleaning guy kind of deserved it. Not kind of, definitely deserved it. But, I mean, she can't say that, but uh, she kind of implied it. Like, yeah, he's he's not so bad. He just needs a little bit of guidance. So, which is what she tells the judge. Like, if you need some guidance, he doesn't belong in jail. He won't last in jail. The judge brings in Arthur, tells him, okay, listen, you're going to live with Paul, and you're going to get a job, and you're going to cease all vigilante activity, or else you'll go to prison. And Arthur does not like this. No. And he gets tased for his outburst, too, man. Yep, he gets tased for the outburst. And, yeah, he basically has to go live with uh, live with Paul now. Uh, meanwhile, Dooney confronts Angel, but we don't really see what happens. Then uh, we see Arthur has a job. It's basically holding the sign that says slow as you drive through road construction. Yeah. And one of Radovan's guys just drives up. He throws a note at him. And Arthur picks it up, and he unfolds the note, and it's a photo of Angel tied up, and it just says, talk, and she dies. So, can't seesaw vigilante activities. She needs nope. She needs us. Exactly. You're exactly right. So we kind of learn how Arthur and Paul became friends, where uh, Arthur saved Paul's son from a car, <laughs> a car that was about to hit him. Yeah. Uh, so that was nice. And he kind of reflects on that, and he decides, i got to be Defendor again. And he goes to rescue Angel. Uh, she actually gets away by shooting Dooney in the balls. So I have to ask, where does she rank on the Jenny Blake meter for this standard? Oh, that, standard. That's, pr- that's pretty freaking high, dude. Like she's, Yeah, forgot to like ask it earlier. Between, like, a, if Jenny Blake is a 10 on the Jenny Blake standard, Cat's uh, like an 8. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And her name, her real name in the movie is Cat. So yes, Cat for what it's worth. Yeah. Yes. Makes it easy to remember. It's like The Office, how everybody like Creed is real name is Creed and Angela's real name is Angela. And mm-hmm. I think that might be it, but you get the point. Phyllis uh, or others. Is Phyllis's real name Phyllis? Yes. Phyllis, Phallus. Sorry, penis on the brain. <laughs> oh my gosh! Stop. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but yes, um, so he, um, she tells, uh, Arthur, hey, uh, you know, Radovan, uh, I just made that up about him being Captain Industry. There's no Captain Industry. Uh, he's just a big drug dealer, and I just wanted revenge on him, and I thought maybe there's a small chance that you might be able to do something. Uh, I, this is actually where we learn that he's, uh, his mom... He had uh, he has developmental issues because the mom was an alcoholic when she was pregnant, and this was Arthur believing that there was someone named Captain Industry when it's actually just a metaphor for yes, you know. So Angel makes Arthur take her gun, 
Arthur does not like guns, because guns are for cowards. But, you know. So, Defendor goes to the police, tells the captain about this big drug deal that's going down tonight. And, uh, he slips out. He does the whole Batman thing, where, like, he slips away from the police captain. <laughs> uh, he does that twice. <laughs> yes. So, Defendor takes out a few of Radovan's henchmen with the Angry Hornets. Which is pretty good, actually. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. He uh, he confronts Radovan, and uh, Radovan just shoots him. <laughs> and uh, he's like, "You killed my mom." And uh, he he tells uh, Radovan his mom's name, and he's like, "Oh yeah, she uh, just overdosed. She was a junkie." So he remembered her. Basically, said she died by her own uh, inability to control her addictions. So please show up. And uh, Angel finds Defendor. Angel promises to stop doing drugs and start writing again. Said, you know, and Defendor's like, just be like Lois Lane. And then dies. And we cut to a spray-painted mural of Defendor somewhere in the city of Baltimore. Where uh, everyone is honoring him, including Dr. Park and her daughter. They got all these candles and flowers and everything. And um, they cut to, like, radio hosts or... Not the radio, uh, radio call-in show, and everybody's like, "Yeah, Defendor is pretty cool, and he did what was right, and he, and you know, it, it, his efforts worked because we see on the wall, newspaper clippings, Dooney was arrested, and Radovan was uh, extradited to Serbia, so that sounds not great. No. Sorry to our Serbian listeners. Yes. And Angel, real name Cat, she's uh. She's put down the crack pipe and picked up a cigarette, so <laughs> a little bit better. Real Lois Lane, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, she's at a typewriter, which is weird because uh, computers exist now. Yeah. But yeah, she's just typing up the story of Defendor, and uh, the end. Roll credits. Yeah, good pretty, flick. Pretty good short flick. movie, but you know. Inspired hope a little there toward the end, man. Even in the death, like a. Kind of like a Grand Torino, but with an autistic man. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, by and large, this movie was a little unimpressive, but I'm going to be polite. I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect from this. I had no idea that the main character was going to be like a special needs person, but... yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, it's a quick watch. If anything, maybe you could have sh- made it a teeny bit shorter. Uh, I mean, it was not, it was like a hundred minutes, so it's not too bad. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it's it had a good message. Uh, it is R-rated, so if you if you're thinking like, oh, my kids will like this, mm, they drop a few That's f-bombs. Cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's free on Amazon, so. Um, I'm going to go uh, six and a half. I, I enjoyed it. It was uh, a wholesome R-rated movie. Is that a thing? Yeah. Relatively, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it was a wholesome R-rated movie. Uh, had a good message. Woody Harrelson, hit or miss in some scenes. I, overall, I kind of kind of liked him. Cat Dennings, really, really good. But, you know, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know. It's a good uh it's a good change of pace I suppose from what we've been doing lately. Yeah. Uh a nice a nice surprise. Yeah. 
So, with that, folks, next week, and sadly, you cannot stream this anywhere for free. Unbelievable. But for $4 on whatever, you know, streaming app of your choice, be it Apple TV, Amazon Prime Video, YouTube, Google, whatever, for $4, you can rent Kick-Ass, which is what we will be reviewing next week. I actually own the Blu-ray. As such, I will be watching the Blu-ray. Uh, Eddie is going to have to rent, unfortunately, or he can record it somewhere, maybe. Maybe, or I might have a friend that has Kick-Ass. Actually, I do. You've got uh, a lot of friends, so hopefully you, yeah. Yeah, we'll see if I uh, can rendezvous with them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe... Were we, were, were we supposed to have a guest guest for that episode? Possibly. I haven't heard from them in a okay. while. Um, well, we can do Monday or Tuesday next week because I'm only recording Grave Consequences this week. All right. I'll, I'll send a message. I mean, it's it's It was always going to be tricky. I guess I didn't tell you. He lives in the UK, so the, oh. time, the time difference is going to be brutal. But yeah. um, so he, like he seemed work. up for it, but they, I, again, I haven't heard from him recently, so it's, okay. you know. If not, it's it's fine. Um, okay. But uh, either way, so we yeah. may or may not have a guest next week. Yeah. Kick ass, three ninety nine, and uh, folks. Also, the uh, number one song here in the U.S. I, I forgot to mention that earlier oh. uh, was TikTok by Kesha. That was. Uh... <laughs> oh, it, it's an earworm. It's oh, an earworm. Man. That was a. Uh, that was big time. Yes, now I am in the search for a Defendor quote. Tick-tock, make it... Man, I thought you were going to use the first one. I thought for sure when he said the first line in the movie, I was like, well, that's going to be Caleb's quote. The one oh, the... yep, 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 yep. I think uh, I think you know which one I'm going to use. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> to quote Defendor, if you break the law, you're a punk. If you break the law with a badge, you're a punk with a badge. Timmy's and hockey, syrup and bacon, Molson and Mounties at your can stations, throwing on some cheese and gravy on top of our fries. That's a poutine. And we wear our plaid sweaters when we walk amongst the northern lights. Rockies and prairies, oceans and lakes, other than winter all the seasons are great brushing off the snow a little longer than we'd like uh-huh. but you won't hear us complaining cause that just wouldn't be polite no man cause up here in canada the air's clear the weather's adequate we all cheer we're pretty passionate, and everybody has a pet polar bear and a moose yeah, up here in Canada. Celsius kilometers, prime ministers and provinces. We maybe say it different, but we always keep our promises. We said we'd win the gold back in 2010, and we did. Because we're so nice, we'll let you win every now and again. But not too much. Cause up here in Canada, we like.
Snakes and even walkie-talkies Peanut butter, garbage bags, the mighty foghorn Just a few things that you can thank us for Shatner, Carrie, Myers, Gosling, Reynolds, and Reeds Candy Short, Michael J., and all of Shit's Creek Celine, Shania, Adams, Bieber, Buble, and Drake We're sorry about Nickelback, yeah, that was a mistake We're sorry, we're sorry, yeah, we're sorry, eh? We're so, so sorry Cause up here in Canada We like beer and our cannabis And each year we all get taxed a bunch But everybody gets 